there are not as many rules as you think there are to email marketing, to podcasting, to Instagram, to TikTok, to whatever the heck you are on. There are not that many rules. There are best practices. There are things, there are experiments that work better than other experiments, but we can never be certain that one thing is going to work better than the other. You are listening to Messy in the Middle, the show here to help you navigate the messy blend that is life and business today. I'm your host, Haley Johnson, and my guests and I are here to dish out all the hot takes, big wins, and seriously messy moments that come with being an entrepreneur. So grab another cup of coffee, you know you want to, and let's get into it. Welcome back to Messy in the Middle. With me today, I have Isabella Sanchez Castaneda from Issa Media Inc. Issa is a digital marketer and podcast producer here to help you share your impact in a new way. Issa, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining me on this wonderful Friday morning. So a little peek behind the curtain for our listeners. Issa and I met at a happy hour last week and had a very spicy conversation about some of the trends in the online business industry. And I knew I had to have her on the pod. But other than that, we basically know nothing about each other. So for the sake of our listeners, but also for me, tell me a little bit about your business and kind of like what it looks like today. Absolutely. So yeah, I started my business at the beginning of 2021. I was fresh out of college in 2020, unfortunate year to graduate and had my first corporate job and just knew pretty straight away that it was not for me. And I really had to look at what my transferable skills were and what I could do. And like almost everyone in the online space I feel like we all start being social media managers, at least the majority of us. I did. And so <laughs> exactly. And and it's it's great. I think it's a great entry point. And because of the pandemic, I was on the TikTok that was, you can make 10K if you get 10 clients for $1,000 a month. And I was like, I can do it. I just need to get out of this job. So I started as a social media manager and probably within months was like, this is not for me. I only like the strategy part. So that's where the marketing strategist element came in. And I had learned audio and visual production in college. And so when somebody from an agency was like, do you want to be a podcast producer for us? I was like, absolutely. And it's that hungry first year of business where you will do anything that anyone will pay you for. And that's how I got to marketing strategist and podcast producer. Uh, I mostly focus on front-facing entrepreneurs. So entrepreneurs that, whether they like it or not, are personal brand because they're the face of their business, but don't want to call themselves their personal brand. So front-facing entrepreneurs. And yeah, almost a little over a year and a half in. And I feel like I'm finally getting more clarity around like, okay, this is what I want going forward and getting out of that feeling of, oh my gosh, we, we have to just say yes to whatever comes to our door. Yeah. I definitely feel like I felt that like hungry first year in business for probably like my first three years because I started when I graduated college. And then after like a gap year, I got my master's and my whole time I was like, I'm just freelancing while I'm still in school. And then I graduated with my master's in the pandemic. And I was like, wait a minute, what if I don't want to get a big girl job. What if I want to just keep doing this? And that was like the first time that I was like, okay, I need to take this seriously. Like I know what's up now. 
Um, before you realize like, oh God, I got to get out of this corporate job. What were you doing? Like, what kind of work were you doing? And what did you study in college to get you there? Yeah. So I thought I wanted to be a journalist since I was in sixth grade. I told everyone literally since sixth grade, I'm going to be a journalist. I'm going to be a reporter. I'm going to either be writing for a huge newspaper or for, I'm going to be the person on your nighttime news. It was the dream since forever. And so in college, I studied communication and specialized in journalism. And my first job out of college was a offer from an internship that I had, and it was at a magazine. And it wasn't the environment for me. (laughs) And it was really hard to kind of divorce that idea of I've wanted this since I was in sixth grade. How do I now change who I wanted to be when I was 12 and go forth into being an adult with more dreams, more aspirations and different aspirations. Um, so yeah, I was, at, I was at a magazine. I was their digital editor. So I was doing everything that was social media, that was website, that was things that business owners need today. I was just doing it for a publication. And then, like I said, transferable skills merged it over. Gotcha. That makes a lot of sense. And I think also your experience is one that a lot of people, you know, experience when they first get into call or first get out of college or even start to experience in that first job. And I think we're just taught like you got to put in your time, you got to put your nose to the grindstone, like you got to hustle through the parts that suck and then eventually it will get better. And I feel like our generation and then especially like people within the pandemic are like, but like, what if it doesn't have to suck? What if I can figure out a way to like live my life on my own terms, especially when like entry-level salaries are so bad. It's like, I only need to make so much money. Like I could figure out how to do this on my own. Um, So I think that's a very relatable story that I know I felt when I first started working, even though I like barely ever had a real full-time job, but I can definitely relate to that a lot. I think a lot of listeners can too. So you said you got into podcasting because an agency asked you to be their podcast producer, but when did you realize that podcasting was the key for you as like a business owner, as a main offering, but then also as a marketer and something that you wanted to do to market your business? Yeah. So I've known that podcasting was the wave for a long time because I'm such a podcast listener. Um, There are periods of time where I'm listening to five podcasts a day on average And I can't remember the last week that has gone by without me listening to at least one podcast. And so I knew that for me, it was a medium I was really invested in as a journalist. And it was the way that people were digesting their information. And then due to the pandemic and due to us having so much more time on our hands, people wanted to fill their day with content. And so we started seeing a lot more celebrity podcasts. We started to see a lot more entrepreneur podcasts. And then the biggest thing is that the entrepreneur podcasts that we were seeing were very hustle culture, very uh, what one coach online, Kirsten Roldan, calls bro and Becky marketing. (laughs) And that was what I was seeing. So I knew, okay, this medium is huge. A lot of people really want to get into it, but it's not necessarily the most accessible. And there's a lot of rules that people think there are to podcasting that there actually aren't. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to bring it into my business outside of the clients that I had for this agency, because I knew that people were getting exhausted with Instagram. People were 
moving over to TikTok and TikTok is fantastic, but almost every TikToker that is huge has now started a podcast because you need to move your TikTok followers to a longer form platform to be able to convert them because of the TikTok algorithm. And then the ability to have an intimate conversation. So listeners today that are listening to this episode are choosing to click on this episode. They're choosing to hit play. And however long this ends up being, they are choosing to stay with us for 20, 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. That is not something that is happening on social media. People don't choose necessarily to look at our stuff. It just kind of hits them in the face. So bridging that. And now it's like, a micro commitment. Now it's something where people have chosen to spend a certain amount of time with you. Mm -hmm. So I know I just threw a lot of different elements of it, but to summarize, more and more people are getting podcasts. There was a huge gap in the entrepreneurship podcast space. And it's also a way to get a micro commitment from people in your audience so that they feel that much more close to you, having an intimate experience with you and just build this level of intimacy, which I know is a big word, um, (laughs) with you that other people that you can't get through 30 second, 60 second, 90 second videos. Yeah. Well, I think it's really interesting too. And I wonder how much of the like millennial Gen Z stereotype of like, we can't pay attention to anything. We need to be like constantly stimulated. Like, I wonder how much of that ties into why podcasts are such a great like medium because I think about you know if I'm sitting on TikTok there are times where I'm like oh this 30 second video is too long get away like I'm not gonna finish but then I'll be listening to a podcast and I'm like oh man it's only an hour because I listen to podcasts while I'm going on walks while I'm driving while I'm grocery shopping like they're everything and I think that being able to like carry someone with you in your day-to-day life like that is such a great way to like fill that need to be stimulated by more than one thing at a time without like being overwhelming or like hyper scrolling. Absolutely. And I think that it's also a reflection of we crave nuance more than we realize. And sometimes the 30 second, 90 second video is really great to get your awareness peaked and you engaged, but it's not actually sticking in your mind. A lot of times with TikTok, we're scrolling or with Instagram, we're scrolling and there's how to's and there's the how to carousel and the audit carousels and all that. And you think that you're learning so much, but a half hour later, you're like, I don't remember anything <laughs> that I just saw. Or It's a hot take that is so hot because it has no context. Mm -hmm. And so at least a podcast lets you get into people's heads a little bit more. And literally they're in your head because you're wearing headphones and you're able to sit with their ideas. So I think it's also a reflection that a lot of us just want more room to express ourselves, but also more room to hear other people's thoughts and expressions and dive in a little deeper than just the big hook that we talk about with being successful on reels. Yeah. It's also, I think about like when I first, you know, my senior year of college, I had this internship and it was a marketing internship, but like I was the marketing person. So I spent so much time on Pinterest, like learning how to do marketing. Cause I wasn't even, I didn't study marketing. <laughs> um, so I spent so much time on Pinterest reading blogs and like bookmarking blogs and bookmarking tutorials and signing up for email lists and all of that stuff. And then I feel like, I don't know if it was as my education increased or just as my like 
way of life changed. I stopped spending so much time on Pinterest and started spending more time on Instagram. But even though like the same content was there, I wasn't learning it and I wasn't retaining it the same way. And then now as time has shifted, if I want to get to know someone better or I want to learn more about a topic, I'm like, I'm going to find a podcast about this. So I think it's like that shift from where like blogging was really, 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 really popular. And then like podcasting is able to like fill that gap in our lives as we've kind of shifted how we interact with the world. Absolutely. And also there's great room for repurposing if we want to get into that. (laughs) But I think that not just the how-to, but also the ability to hear people's thought process. So at least the podcast that I gravitate towards and also the podcast that a lot of my clients gravitate towards is yes, it's technical. It has to do something with their business or it's somehow related. But a lot of it, like your show, is very much about the journey, is very much about the figuring it out process. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a reflection of also we crave nuance. We want this information, but we're also really lonely. And having people in your ear, maybe you are in a space right now where you live in a community where no one else is an entrepreneur or you're the first entrepreneur in your family and you think that everything in your life is catastrophic because you've never heard of someone getting a rejection before or you've never heard of someone trying to create a content calendar because everyone in your family thinks that Instagram is just to watch like dog videos. And then you come across a podcast like this one or like mine or like one of my clients and you're like, wow, people are sharing their struggles. They're feeling really excited. They are being honest and I no longer feel so alone. So I got something out of it, but I also don't feel like I'm a silo anymore. And then you can reach out and build a relationship because most podcasts are still pretty small. You can reach out to the person and say, hey, I listened to this episode and I thought this, this, and this, and you might be able to build a friendship. So I think that loneliness factor and trying to fill that loneliness gap is also a huge reason that podcasts have exploded in the last 10 years, but Mm -hmm. more specifically in the last two or three with the pandemic. Yeah. There's like so much I want to respond to out of that. I'm thinking about like one of my now friends, we work together on some projects. They're like in my membership. Like we became friends because they were the very first podcast I pitched to. And I remember being so nervous because I was like, they have so many episodes. Like they must be so big. They're never going to read this. And then when they finally responded and were like, yeah, I'd love to have you on the show. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Um, And that was just like, from taking that leap and feeling like I connected with someone from a show and like I could reach out to them. And then the other thing that I wanted to touch on with the loneliness aspect is I think a lot of it for me and what inspired me to write this or to start this show was when I was freelancing, it made sense and people could like kind of wrap their heads around like, oh, she's just freelancing while she figures out like what she wants to do. And then once it started getting more established and like being in that messy middle, it was like anytime something was challenging or I was frustrated or I was burnt out, it was met with like, well, wouldn't it just be easier if you got a real job? And like, I knew that there was something in my brain that said, no, it won't be easier. If I get a new job, it'll be infinitely harder. But like, I didn't have anyone to relate to that with, except for the podcasts that I listened to and the friends that I made in the entrepreneurial space. So I definitely agree with like, especially in these last two or three years, as so many more people have been getting into being entrepreneurs, we like need that community in a deeper way than we realized. 
touching back on the messy middle side of things, as this podcast is called, the show is all about embracing the less than glamorous parts of running a business. Can you think of a time that you're willing to share where you made like a major oops and looking back, you're like, oh my God, that was such a rookie mistake, either even though I'm not a rookie anymore, or like, I just can't believe that, you know, two years ago, I was able to make such a silly mistake. I mean, the first things that come to mind are little miscommunications with clients or not making sure your contracts are rock solid. And I know that was something that we talked about in the happy hour, but the mistake and I'm not, I promise I'm not making this just like a mindset thing, but a mistake I made in this year in 2022 was, and I have an episode of it called, I counted my chickens and they didn't hatch. It was very dramatic. I love that. Uh, <laughs> we'll link it in the show notes. If you send me the link to that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I haven't even listened back to that episode. I usually <laughs> listen to them and, and make sure I didn't say anything wild, but I haven't even listened back to that one because it was raw where I had planned out my Q2 of 2022 thinking that I was going to get this huge contract. And it was this contract that I was so excited about and that I thought it was a shoe in for. And I went like my client process doesn't usually take super, super long, but this one was taking like forever. And I thought, oh, it was because of the the length of the contract it was because of the price of the contract. It was like, da, 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 da. it was a difficult client that I didn't want to accept was going to be a difficult client. But <laughs> the mistake that I'm, I want to highlight is that I turned down other projects. I wanted to make sure that I was completely available for this client that hadn't even signed a contract. And, you know, you can guess it fell apart. <laughs> I didn't get it. And I was in such like a dark place at the end of February, beginning of March, where, because I was planning out Q2, where I was like, oh my God, my business is going to fall apart. I don't know what's going on. I don't know where I'm going to be in a couple months. Why did I let myself get so excited about it? How do I deal with rejection? And I, I had no good answers. It was pity party central. And so it was something that I did share on the show and that I wanted to be able to say, you know, rejection is real. And sometimes we can be smarter about how we plan our business so that the rejection doesn't feel so devastating. But to me, the biggest mistake was just allowing it to be so devastating because I counted my chickens before they hatched and it was horrible. And I don't think that we talk about those things. Like there are little mistakes, but there's a lot of mistakes that we can fix through education and through knowledge. And then there are other mistakes that like the only way to get past them is literally by learning through making the huge mistake. And I think this was one of them mm -hmm. where I was like, okay, I can never get that attached to a person. I can never get that attached to a contract. I can never center my business around one business. Like that I might as well have become their employee if I was going to do that. And so it was very frustrating it was very messy. I was not doing hot. And then it took me a while to also get out of that slump for mm -hmm. a couple of weeks. And I, I took a break off of Instagram. Like I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I could have prevented that for sure. I had something kind of similar happen in Q2 of last year. I talk about it in, um, I think the very first episode of Messy in the Middle of season one, where I had a really great Q1 and then like in the first couple weeks of Q2, I like doubled my client load, 
doubled my everything. And I was like, oh no, I need help. And I had contracts signed. Everything was supposed to be good. Like April was fine. I hired someone to help me with HR. I brought on new employees. Like I was in it because the contracts were signed. But like signing a contract doesn't mean that people will pay you even though they're supposed to. And May was like pulling teeth. June, one of the clients pulled out of their contract and I was like, this is fine because I don't like you. And then no one else paid me. I had like over $12,000 or $10,000 like outstanding invoices in June. And I was like, oh no, what am I supposed to do now? And it definitely kind of kickstarted a change in my business that took probably like six months to nine months to even like complete. Like I wanted to move away from that agency model. I didn't like the uncertainty. I didn't like that. I was like doing everything I was supposed to do, getting the contract signed. But then at the end of the day, like you're still dealing with humans. And especially as like a young woman trying to run a company, like I knew I was being taken advantage of, but I also knew that like unless I wanted to risk a lot more money because I wasn't solid on my contracts. Like I wasn't a hundred percent confident that like if I took this to court, I would win. It like was a real hit to my confidence and a real hit to like, am I even supposed to be doing this? I think that was my most recent big, like, maybe I'll just get a job. This sucks (laughs) moment because I was just like, I don't know if I want to deal with this responsibility anymore. Like it's not worth it. Yeah. That responsibility is something that we don't think of in the beginning or maybe don't factor in. And that's fine. I think if we had factored all that in, we probably wouldn't have started our businesses, but (laughs) it's just insane how sometimes you're sitting there and you're like, wow, I am the end all be all in every single one of these categories in every single one of these quote unquote departments of my business when they're not departments, they're just me. Like (laughs) I, and I think that that's something again, that you only learn from experience. Like you only realize how much the responsibility is from experience or you, you really start to test your contracts when you start pushing for bigger clients and clients that unfortunately might take advantage of you. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, it's a lot. And, and I think that we don't talk about that enough in the online space, at least not from a place of just calling it what it is. I think some people will talk about the responsibility from a place of shaming, but that's a whole other topic that (laughs) we could dive into. Well, I think also when it comes to the responsibility, like We look at big corporations who maybe don't treat their employees so great or maybe don't treat their team so great and like are quick to lay off or quick to do that or not offer benefits or whatever. And then we look at like smaller, medium-sized businesses that like kind of do the same thing, but it feels a little more understandable because they don't have like billions and billions of dollars. But then when it's us, it's like, wait a minute, I don't feel that same like flippant attitude about like, oh, well, if I don't have the money, I'll just lay off my people. Or if I don't have the work, I'll just like let people go. Like, I don't feel like I have that in me. And when I realized like how much I was going to cling to people that I didn't have the work for, I was like, I need to change the way that I'm running my business because I don't think I can change like the responsibility and the like connection that I feel to my people. Um, And I think that's something I wasn't expecting at all. Yes. The human side of human resources or (laughs) just running a business. I agree. 
This week's episode of Messy in the Middle is sponsored by Thought Leaders Collective. Are you so sick of Facebook groups? Totally over Instagram pods? Looking for a place to find community and collaboration online without all the spammy sales, bro marketers, and frankly bullshit that comes with the online space? Then boy, do I have the thing for you. Thought Leaders Collective is for the online service provider who is ready to step into the spotlight and make a name for themselves, but is just plain tired of coming up with fresh new content for every platform every week. You just want to log on, share your genius, and bask in the glow of your newfound visibility. But it can't be that easy, can it? With Thought Leaders Collective, it totally can. Weekly thought leadership prompts delivered straight to your inbox. Co-working sessions so you can carve out the time to actually be visible on LinkedIn, strategic planning to get you laser-focused, and a supportive community of other online service providers who just get it. What more could you ask for? I could tell you stories of members like Rachel, who had someone submit an inquiry on her site within hours of posting her first TLC prompt. Or Kira, who said, Haley, this LinkedIn shit is bananas. My visibility and reach are insane. Or Meg, who is a self-described LinkedIn stan, now that TLC is supporting her content and community needs. Or you could go to thepropagy.com slash TLC and use code MESSY at checkout to get your first month free and see for yourself how great TLC and LinkedIn can be. That's thepropagy.com slash TLC with code M-E-S-S-Y at checkout to get your first month free. After that, it's just 27 bucks a month and you can cancel anytime, but I doubt you'll want to. Can't wait to see you on LinkedIn. So we're all familiar with the uncertainty and overwhelm that comes with being a newbie, but for myself and for many of our listeners, you kind of have this moment of like, wait a minute, I'm not a newbie anymore. Can you pinpoint like a point in your business over the last couple of years where you were like, yes, I'm in this. I'm entering the messy middle. I'm no longer a rookie. Like I feel cool and confident, but also like what the fuck is happening? I can't pinpoint a specific moment. I think my instinct is to say I'm still a newbie, (laughs) Uh, but, and you know, at a year and and a half, I am still pretty new at this. Yeah. I think it's for me, maybe a reason why that one clear moment hasn't happened quite yet, or that I can't, point it down or pin it down is that I have gone through a lot of pivots. I kind of started talking about that before, but I started as a social media manager. I went to do content strategy. I had a reels workshop in like the height of the reels hype in 2021. I have done VIP days and then I've done now Mostly I do like longer term packages for strategy, not super, super long, but not VIP days anymore. And then the podcast management, podcast production, which I consider to be very involved is a longer term project. And so because of those different pivots, I felt like each time I learned from the past and from the previous attempt I made, but I was still new at that trial or that pivot. So I'm just getting to a point where I'm taking planning very seriously. I'm not a huge planner. <laughs> and I, as a business owner, you, you're you forced to be. And so I'm finally getting to the point where I'm like, okay, 
I'm going to try to really stick to this for as long as I can and refine it rather than just jump ship. Mm -hmm. And that has been working well. But I think it's because the way that I'm doing business now seems more sustainable, seems more enjoyable rather than all of the different things that I was kind of jumping on because they were trends like the reels workshop. Everybody had a reels workshop last June. (laughs) It was insane. And then the same thing with VIP days. I think VIP days are absolutely fantastic, but with the, like I'm someone who loves to just talk and go on tangents and so do my clients. And so VIP days felt a little bit too forced for me. Mm. And I do them sometimes. I'm not saying, you know, you'll never hear about a VIP day for me, but I have to know the limits of it. So little tangents in this conversation, but just to say, I think it's only now that I'm stepping into, maybe I'm in the middle. Maybe I know what I'm doing now because I'm sticking with something for enough time. And that's not something that a lot of people admit mm-hmm. because a lot of people are like, oh no, I've three months in, I know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm a CEO. And I'm yeah. like, mm, sometimes like you don't, sometimes <laughs> you don't know until you're five years in. I can't, I can't tell you that if we have another interview in 2023, that I won't be like, oh, just kidding. I am completely new again at something else. That reminds me. So the very first podcast that I was interviewed on, not the one that I pitched, this was like another one that was a friend's. We interviewed the first week of April of 2021. So that week that I was like doubling my team, doubling my client load, doing HR, doing all of this stuff. And I talked all about my business, what was working. And I was so excited. And then that episode came out in the middle of June and literally everything had changed. And I was like, oh my God, like, I don't want people to listen to this episode because none of it's true anymore. Like I had a lead gen strategy that I was like so amped about. And then by June, I realized like the clients I'm getting from this lead gen strategy are garbage. Like this is such a bad idea. No one should do this. And I was like, so much can change in so little time. And that was a time where I felt like I was on top of the world. And I think it took June and like getting knocked down a peg to realize like, no, no, I'm still in that middle stage in the beginning of the middle stage. Like, I don't, I don't need to be on top of the world. I can still be learning and I can still acknowledge that like, I don't know everything. And I think that's a really big part of like being a good business owner is acknowledging that like, you don't know it all and you're not supposed to know it all. So I can definitely relate to that. I love thinking of entrepreneurship. I heard this somewhere on Instagram. It's not my original thought, but we often think of entrepreneurship as like a roller coaster or we want it to be just a straight upward trajectory. Mm-hmm. Projection? Trajectory? Trajectory. <laughs> trajectory. Help. Um, we want it to just be an upward trajectory. But uh, I heard the analogy that's more of like a spiral mm-hmm. where you're spiraling upwards and you are hitting the same kind of edge and you're hitting the same problem each time you go upwards. It's just a little bit more difficult or a little bit deeper. Yeah. And so it's sometimes you're just, you have to be ready for that next wave. I'm mixing analogies, but like as you go through that spiral, there's times where you're kind of coasting and then you're like, wow, I'm on top of the world. And other times where you face that, that issue. Like if you're someone who has an issue with conflict, you're probably going to face that, that bump Mm -hmm. or that pit 
again, whatever analogy you're following in, in your head, listener, um, you're going to hit that again, just in a different way or in a different facet so that you can kind of work past it or that you can get real with yourself and say, if I'm really conflict averse, then my contracts have to be rock solid. Then I need to get a lawyer to conflict for me. Yeah. <laughs> I need to hire, um, an HR person to, handle my employees or something like that, where you just either have to get past it or you have to put something there so that as you continue to go upwards, you're not just hitting that again and again. Yeah. And it's just same problems, but a little bit deeper each time. Yeah. It's almost like you're doing that upward spiral thing, but you feel like you're in a game of shoots and ladders. And like some of those conflicts that you hit, like really knock you down. And some of them are like, I can do anything after that. Um, but like, you're still in that spiral. So continuing to mix the metaphor. (laughs) Yes. But I think people get it. You know, it's like, we're all, it's always getting us further and taking us higher, Mm -hmm. but it can feel like what is going on. Am I about to fall off this spiral off this cliff off this? Okay. We're done with the analogies now. We can, (laughs) the listeners are like, we get it. You can stop. (laughs) So Switching gears a little bit into marketing, as a marketer, I'm sure you have your finger on the pulse of what's what for marketing and social media. How do you decide where to focus your energy when it comes to marketing for your business specifically, but then also for your clients? Like, how do you decide on that strategy? What's your approach? Yeah. So I have two different approaches for myself and then for my clients, but they converge. So for myself, I very much have to follow my energy. I have to follow where I'm excited and that might go against everything you've heard about consistency, but I know that consistently I'm excited to do my podcast. So by following the way that I started my podcast was I had a burst of energy after a really long break in December and said, I need to do this. And when I started, I was doing daily episodes because my energy was so on it that I was like, this needs to come out into the world. Now my excitement and my energy and being realistic with my client load, it (laughs) looks more like weekly, but by following that energy, I was able to get a lot of listeners and get a lot of people really invested and then see what was working and what was not at the beginning. So for my own strategy, when I'm trying something new, it's very like, flash in the pan. And then I have to like turn down the, the heat to more of a simmer and keep it consistent. Mm -hmm. Um, but I like following those things. So I've done that with TikTok. I've done that with everything under the sun for marketing also, because I just want to have at least some understanding of it in case a client asks and then being realistic, which I don't love to do. I'm a Pisces. I like being delusional. (laughs) I have now the things that you will always see me on is my podcast every week. I post clips from it and other marketing material on Instagram. That is my main platform. And then TikTok is very here and there for me because I just don't have self-control with TikTok. And so I can't (laughs) have it on my phone. So I try to actually record things off my phone and then you can upload to TikTok from the desktop app. And so uh, I recommend that if you're someone who also has no (laughs) self-control. I also uh, recently invested in an email marketing course. And so I will be trying email marketing a little bit more. I'm trying to get more into email marketing too. It's just like, I have have a weekly newsletter, but I call it weekly-ish because like it's supposed to come out on Thursdays and I did not write it yesterday. You're getting it Friday. It's happening. (laughs) 
<laughs> like, yeah. And that is something that I'm really learning with email marketing is that, and with everything, right. And, and I'll touch on this in terms of my approach for my clients, where there are not as many rules as you think there are to email marketing, to podcasting, to Instagram, to TikTok, to whatever the heck you are on. There are not that many rules. There are best practices. There are things, there are experiments that work better than other experiments, but we can never be certain that one thing is going to work better than the other. So for email marketing, it's weekly ish. Maybe that's fine. Like I doubt that people are like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to read this because it came on a Friday rather than a Thursday. And maybe some weeks you want to send a newsletter on Thursdays and Fridays because you're just super on it. And people don't care that much. What people care mostly about is the consistency of like, you are going to show up semi-regularly. Like I can count on it. If you miss a week, okay. But I can count on your existence in the world being there uh, because I enjoy it, because it's giving me value, because it's just something I look forward to. And so with my clients, I try to take that approach I tried to avoid flash in the pan strategies. I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> please do not go on a rampage of posting every single day and then burn yourself out. Uh, learn from my experience. It's not going to work out. So I always ask them in my intake forms, like how many hours a week can you dedicate to creating content? And in the very beginning, a lot of people who either are trying out a new platform, actually trying to follow a strategy for the first time, or they're coming back after a long break. I give that, I tell them every single time, give yourself an hour for every single post. And that might seem like a lot, but when you give yourself that hour, you give yourself room for depth, you give yourself room for really uh, tinkering with it as much as you want until you're comfortable with it. And then, so if they tell me I have five hours a week, I'm like, okay, great. We're going to do five posts and probably we're going to do four and stories instead of five full posts. And being really intentional about how much time they're spending because people like to say that they have more time to do things than they do, or they're just (laughs) not accounting for, I say I have five hours, but actually, I mean, those five hours are like five minute bursts throughout the week, not five actual hours. So it's a lot of conversations around that. Another approach I have, which we talked about in the happy hour is really talking to clients about boundaries and really making sure that they are before they ever post anything, they are clear about what they're comfortable posting and what they're not comfortable posting. Mm -hmm. And this helps the strategy so much because once I know what your limits are, and I know that this is the sandbox you like to play in, I can just keep giving you ideas and say, we're just going to play in here. And I know exactly what we're going to do. We create 90 days in two hours. And it's just like, go boom, 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 because I know where your limits are. Mm -hmm. So then with people, I always start them just on one platform or I start them. um, I actually don't really start people on podcasts. Um, I think that you have to have a pretty great understanding of your brand and what you want to be known for on a podcast because it's so much more permanent. So it's usually like, let's experiment on Instagram, TikTok, whatever it is on one platform for a little bit of time. Let's get your branding foundations down. And then we can jump to the podcast where you can repurpose from it. So that was my long-winded answer. That's perfect. This is a long-form podcast. (laughs) So was there one marketing tool or like shift in tactic for you that you felt really started to move the needle in your business? Or do you think it was more about just finding the right service for you to be providing that made you the most happy? So I love content creation. So for me, it was 
finding the best place to create. And so I know that I'm in the minority of people where there are a lot of people who struggle to want to get on camera or who struggle to want to stay consistent. I mostly struggled with focus and with knowing that it was making an impact on the other side. So for me, I think it was two things. One, it was taking off the expert hat. So a lot of people in the online space want to say, build authority, build authority. And when they say build authority, they really want you to put yourself on this pedestal of you are the end all be all answer. You are the person that everyone should turn to. And if you're not acting that way, then you will fail. Mm -hmm. And so that usually comes accompanied with the advice, fake it till you make it. And so for me, when I was trying that, it was exhausting and it was not leading to results because I wasn't necessarily the expert that I was trying to be online. And I was really afraid that I was going to be called out or that someone was going to ask a question that I wasn't comfortable with. And so I think a lot of people who struggle with visibility may have that expert hat on and they're faking it till they make it. And they're just so afraid that someone's going to ask a a follow-up question question. (laughs) or that somebody is going to ask them something and like that they're actually going to get a client from the things that they're putting out and they're not going to be able to deliver because they faked it because they thought that that's what they had to do. So when I made the shift into just admitting like, hey, this is something I'm experimenting with. This is something that I'm trying. This is something that I've seen work for myself and for my clients. If something else is going to work better for you, let's try that too. And it freed me to put out content and then be able to the next day, if I was wrong in that piece of content, admit it without feeling like everyone was going to point at me and call me a fraud or put that like cone of shame on my head. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was one huge thing. And I know that's not necessarily a platform or anything or knowing my business better, but I think it was just being able to show up with authenticity. And I know authenticity is such a buzzword in the online space, but being able to show up and not fear that someone was going to be like, oh my God, what is she doing? Or that they were going to snicker to their friends like, she's so wrong. What is she saying? Um, And then the second thing is, uh, I say this not just because I'm a podcast producer, but I do think that to practice that, bringing people along the journey through my podcast has really changed the way that I'm able to show up and how much I share. And it's helped me be more consistent because I can repurpose so much from my show Mm -hmm. that there are weeks of time where the only content I post online are clips from my show and they're still getting great traction. They're still getting great attention and still serving people the way I want to serve them. But I didn't have to go put makeup on, go like, or I film a lot of my videos without makeup. So I don't even need to say that, but I didn't have to go plan out a separate piece because it came from something that I already put all of my energy and excitement into. Yeah. I get that a lot. I think that just as podcasts and like long form talking can help establish yourself as an authority with your audience. I think it can also help you establish yourself as an authority, like within yourself. Um, I did an Instagram training yesterday and I like wrote out a script for it. And when I recorded it, it was like eight minutes long. And I was like, wow, I didn't know I had eight minutes in me on this topic, but it was like the process of creating it and recording it. And then I was like, oh yeah, I really do believe in everything that I'm saying. And this does make sense. And if people do come at me about it, like I feel strongly about the way I presented the information. So it was like just as affirming to me and just as confident 
building, like confidence building for me as it will hopefully be for the people who watch the training. And that's something that I don't think I really realized until I started getting into podcasting and doing those like longer, you know, longer episodes just like for myself. Yes. That's something I highlight for all of my hosts too, because I think people think that podcasting is either inherently selfish because they're like, oh, why am I talking so much? Or they think that it's such an outward platform, but it's such a good mix. I think it's, it's almost like journaling. Like there's a lot of times where I will record a full episode about a topic and then have to re-record because I'm like, wow, in the span of me talking, I actually completely changed my mind about Mm -hmm. the way I felt on that topic. So it's such a great, like, reflection platform that also gives you feedback from the people listening. And it's, it's more symbiotic than I think sometimes Instagram can be. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, so real quick, we have some like favorite, least favorite questions. So you already touched on this. So this one will be pretty quick. What is your favorite social media platform? I'll say Instagram. Definitely. (laughs) What is your least favorite social media platform? Maybe Facebook. Oh, that's not what I was expecting. Okay. What did you think? I was, most people say LinkedIn and like, I'm a LinkedIn stan. So like whenever people say that, I like get a spidey sense, but Facebook being the least favorite I like for you. And also I think is fun because Facebook and Instagram are like owned by the same company. So I love that there's like, it's, I think there. it's just the chaos of Facebook. So <laughs> I And I actually have been getting really, this is weird, really into Facebook reels or like you can jump over there and they're so weird. They're so, (laughs) I think sometimes they're better than Instagram ones. Like that. I think the Facebook algorithm knows me a little bit better in terms of what's going to hook my attention, but they're weird. Like I, I mostly say it's my least favorite because of the chaos on it. LinkedIn, I do think is a little bit boring, but it serves such a great purpose that I won't, I won't bash LinkedIn. I I think it's a great service and it has great returns if you are for using you. it. I, I use LinkedIn. Okay. So yeah. So I, I'm, I'm just judging you. <laughs> that's okay. No, I like it. It's just, I'm not going to put, I think it's in like that neutral middle. I'm not going to put mm. it in the favorites or least favorite. It's just LinkedIn just is. That's fair. What is your favorite thing about being a done for you service provider? I love the feeling of creating a strategy and then seeing it implemented and the person be like really happy that they were like, wow, my vision came to life without me having to do anything. And again, that's a little bit selfish because I'm like, sometimes I get really frustrated when people come to me for consulting and I give them a strategy and they don't implement on it. Mm. I'm like, wow, this was a great strategy. Like, boo. But (laughs) if I can do it for them and they're like, wow, I'm getting such amazing returns. I'm like, yes, my strategy worked and it got implemented. (laughs) what is your least favorite thing about being a done for you service provider? I think revisions. Mm. Sometimes I'm like, why don't you see the vision? But (laughs) it's all good. I I give them plenty of revisions. No, I think I feel the same way. Um, When I used to do more like social media, I would get so frustrated when I would submit like social media copy for review. And then they would be like, can we change this and this and this and this? I'm like, why don't you just write it? Like, there's 15 words in that line and you just changed 10 of them. Like if you think you can do this, by all means, go do it. Now that I do more like longer form copy and it's a little bit more like, oh, let's pop this word in here. Or can we use this word instead? It feels less like you think you know better, but I definitely agree that revisions can be kind of a touchy subject. (laughs) 
Yeah. Or I'm, and I know this might not be great, but I'm not the most detail oriented person when I'm really in it, I'm in it. But most of the time I'm a high level thinker. And so yesterday, just a quick story. Yesterday I was filming content for a restaurant and I thought that the videos were fired. Like I was telling people, I was like, I did such a great job. And this morning I had a call with a client and was like, listen, the paper on this one was the wrong color. And this one didn't have this. And this one we should have filmed from this angle. And I'm like, I know that you're so right because you are, but wow, you didn't see the vision. (laughs) I do you want to talk about not being detail oriented? I got fired. Well, I think I technically quit, but like it was one of those, we encourage you to resign situations from a job at a startup when I first graduated college for putting stickers on notebooks crooked. Like, stop. Like, not like, but just like for the listeners, I was doing some wild hand gestures, but like, yeah, I got fired for putting stickers on crooked. And like, looking back at it, I think it's dumb. In the moment, I thought it was dumb. But also, like, yeah, that's totally something I would do. And that is why I am not the put stickers on per- on things person. <laughs> like, that's just not my thing. But yes, the motto like done is better than perfect. I'm like, yeah, maybe I live it a little bit too hard. And so people get frustrated. But it was also like, I just remember in that moment, it was like, well, if it was so important for you to have them be perfect, like, why didn't you get the stickers printed onto the notebooks instead of paying me $10 an hour to put the stickers on the notebooks? Like, you know, if if perfect was that important, maybe you would have. I know. I know what you mean. I've been there too. Yeah. All right. Last favorite, least favorite. What is your favorite part about working in the online space? And what is your least favorite part about working in the online space? I think my favorite part is the, if you truly look at it, the lack of rules. Now I will add nuance there. I love regulation. We should be a regulated industry where I'm not saying that, (laughs) but the, the lack of like, you have to do it this way in order to be successful because there are so many ways in the online space to show up and and all of them can be right at the same time. And with that, I'll transition into least favorite, which is the amount of people who are trying to sell you one solution and who are trying to tell you that if you don't do it their way, you're going to fail. And I think that it becomes so limiting when we allow the voices of coaches or certain providers who have gained fame or who have gained a just substantial amount of followers who try to tell you that if you don't fit into this box, you will never be successful. And then that creates just like, aren't we just creating more corporate structures? Aren't we just stifling people more? Um, So the rules and lack of rules, favorite and least favorite. Yeah, I definitely can feel you on that. I think that when we think about, you know, the possibilities of being a freelancer, being an entrepreneur, working for yourself. It's like the only person kind of like standing in your way of being successful is your own like talent or drive or, you know, ability. But on that same note, it's like, you're still surrounded by people who say, well, you'd be doing better if you did it my way, or if you did it my way, you'd be making more money or you are an anomaly for being successful for not doing it my way. And there's like that there's still that hierarchy of like people who are better than you acting like they're better than you. 
um, which is not fun. (laughs) Not at all. And yes, success leaves clues, but you can still choose to take a different direction. And there's so many different definitions of success and definitions of ways to get there and yeah, opening it up a little more. Yeah. And I think too, the, the lack of regulation allows for the, like, there's still the pretty privilege. There's still the white privilege. There's still the like rich privilege. Like there's still so many ways that you can get ahead that aren't based on your talent or your drive or your dedication to do well. I don't know if those would be fixed by regulation. I don't know like what regulation is necessarily in this industry, but I do agree that like, it's kind of like two sides of the same coin. Like the best part of it is the freedom, but it's also like the freedom allows people with maybe less than awesome intentions (laughs) to do really well and have great reach. Absolutely. And also there's some people who have a hundred thousand followers from 2016 where Instagram used to be like, you posted a sunset picture and got a thousand likes Yeah, and they're trying to teach you growth strategies in 2022. And like, they haven't grown in a decade. It's not the same. Yeah. And yeah. Or, Hey, I don't want to post 10 reels a day. I don't, that's not for me. You can't suddenly tell me that I'm not going to be successful. Yeah, there's a lot of like absolutism in the industry for sure. And I think that, you know, we live in a world with so much nuance and we live in an industry that has so much nuance, but I guess like nuance isn't sexy to sell, even though like it's such a sexy word. Nuance should be I like love nuance. And and I brought it up earlier. I do think that that's why podcasting is getting more popular. Like long form has always been popular because you can finally say, you can put a disclaimer, you can put a caveat, you can say, Hey, this is what worked for me and it mm-hmm. might not work for you. But if you put that in a 30 second reel, then you risk losing someone's attention just for saying, you know, results may vary. Yeah. All right. Last question. Do you have a favorite business and non-business podcast to share with our listeners and also me because I need recommendations? <laughs> My favorite non-business podcast is called something was wrong. So if you're into, I'm not into true crime that ends in murder. Like that's a lot for me, but something was wrong is true crime esque, but no one dies for the most part. And it's about like the different seasons. I, I always recommend start with season one and it's about people who have been deceived in one way or another, either in intimate partnerships or in friendships or things like that. And I do I do put a large trigger warning because they um, do have conversations a lot about domestic violence or unfortunate situations, but listening to it is so fascinating because as you go through the season, you're like, well, what do I believe about this person? Like, would my spidey senses have tingled Mm. if I was in a relationship with that person? And it's so good. I recommend it to everyone. So it's called Something Was Wrong. And it's by Audio Chuck, if you're looking it up. And business podcast. My first instinct was to say mine. <laughs> Building with Easy Media Inc. Um, I'm trying to think of, I listen to so many. And honestly, let me open up my phone and see what's up. I, oh, I'm it so. It doesn't have to be favorite if you want to just like recommend one. Oh, I do love. Um, okay, I'll give you two. One is a much newer one and it's by Alyssa Hall. And it's called the Anti-Racist Leadership Podcast. Oh my God, I know her. She's in my membership. There you go. (laughs) Alyssa Hall, 
Alyssa, be on the pod. (laughs) Yes. Come on, come on both of our pods. And her show is fantastic. She's fantastic. And so I've been listening to that. Uh, Episode four just dropped yesterday, July 14th. So whenever this is coming out. And then, so that one is great for life and for business. And then the other one is um, Empower Her by Keisha Getmary, previously known as Keisha Fitzgerald. So Empower Her is, she does like little pep talks. They're usually 12 to 15 minutes about business, about really going after what you want. And they're super just, I I really enjoy them. Great energy. So those are the two. I love that. I need a new, like when I walk my dog in the morning, I've been like starting a long podcast and then it takes me forever to finish it. So that 15 minutes sounds like a perfect way to start my day. (laughs) Yes. And she's so energetic Mm -hmm. that you kind of get that little pep in your step. Awesome. So what's next for Isa Media Inc.? Do you have any upcoming news or fun things planned, business or personal? Nothing too fun. I know I mentioned really starting to follow a path rather than jump ship all the time. So you'll see me on Isa Media Inc. on Instagram, really diving more into podcasting, being able to share more about why I think that everyone should have a podcast. Everyone's impact is going to be shared more deeply through a podcast. So I my podcast production package as of right now is called Isa Good Podcast. So you'll hear me talk about that. And in terms of marketing strategy, I'm always going to emphasize, and hopefully this doesn't change. I don't think it will. I'm always going to emphasize that it has to work for you and it has to work for the way that you want to share your impact. So it gets to be free flowing. It gets to be an experiment. And so if you want to hear more about that, at Issa Media Inc. on Instagram. And then I love how I'm plugging myself. This is just so like my natural. final question was like, where can people find you? So this is okay. Perfect. So I'll you're, wait. So I'll wait. You're killing two birds with one stone. No, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then yeah, I just also wanted to say I mentioned I'm getting more into email marketing. So if you want to see that, I can I can send you the link if you're cool with it. Yeah. Um, but I have a weekly series called Own Your Platform where we talk about a lot of these concepts. If you want a podcast, how to best do that in a way that is not restrictive, how to best show up online in a way that's not restrictive so you can really own what you're doing. Um, and that usually goes out on Thursdays, but sometimes on Fridays because <laughs> I miss it. So it's all good. That's the vibe is Thursdays kind of. <laughs> Mostly Thursdays, if you will. That's the name of my newsletter. Plugging myself in my own podcast. As you should. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much for joining me today. For our listeners, all of the links and stuff mentioned, I think we had a couple of Issa's podcast episodes, the link to her newsletter, all of that jazz will be in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining me. And I'm so glad we got to connect and get to know each other in what will probably be the longest episode we've done so far. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I wasn't sure how long you wanted it to be, but no, this really, is perfect. <laughs> oh, I'm glad. I, I really appreciate you having me on. And I love podcasts where it's more spontaneous, where maybe we don't know each other that well, because the questions are genuine rather than sometimes like you're forcing it. I'm like, I don't even want to do that. So <laughs> I really appreciate the approach that you took to the interview too. Awesome. This was so much fun. Thank you to everyone who is listening. And we will be back again next week for a new episode of Messy in the Middle. Hey there. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. 
or more likely, thanks for leaving your phone just far enough away that you can't get to it in time to skip past this part. If you like what you heard, don't forget to rate and leave a review. And shout out to my guests for joining me, my dog for not barking, my editor Chrissy for doing her thing, and my friend Devin for letting me use his music. You can check out all of the links for the podcast, anything mentioned in today's episode, and the amazing people who helped me put on the show in the show notes. Bye!